All right, Joe, a new podcast. And before uh, we start out, I want to start off with a serious note. It's come to my attention that a few comments which I made last week have caused, caused quite a stir, and I want to take this time to apologize for them. It was never my intention to discriminate against women, and I'm sorry it might have come across like that. We're not people that only will back the men. And if you listen closely to uh, last week's episode, like we uh, thought that the women's racing at ITU Abu Dhabi, as well as Ironman Florida, was more exciting. They sold the show. Anyway, uh, we're sorry, and um, we're moving on this week. How was uh, how was your week? Well, it's amazing that I'm not the one in trouble for a change. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Sometimes uh, you normally just get it's me that says something wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no, my week was actually pretty good. Um, first week uh, since I had that bike crash, where I've actually felt good in the water. I say first week, I started to feel good on the Thursday, Friday, but since I got knocked off the bike, my whole upper body had been so tight, like I'd been really struggling with my swimming, but. Um, from about Thursday, Friday onwards, I actually started to feel like I did pre-crash. So really pleased with that. Banked another solid week of training, so that's three weeks in a row now. So couldn't ask for any more, really. Like, it's as good as I could hope. How this about is, you? This is it. This was your whole week. The ups, the downs, everything. That was yeah, pretty much, mate. That's like that's as exciting as it gets at the moment for me, mate, in, in, in winter. I've here. got a whole bunch. I'll start off with the weekly update about the swimming pool. I had a massive low in the swimming pool again. Um, so basically on Thursday, the coach was giving us a rampage because some of the kids sometimes need to go to the bathroom during, <clears throat> during the, um, uh, swim set. And he was like, nobody here is a baby. Everybody can hold their pee or anything for more than 90 minutes. It's all in their hats. So, um, st start growing up everyone and, uh, hold it for uh, 90 minutes and just go to the bathroom before it. It was the next day. They ended Friday up pissing morning. in the pool, didn't they? You know for a while, not pissing in the pool. None of them held that no, in at all. It was it was uh, worse than that for me. The day before, I ate chili con carne, and everybody knows the the story about chili con carne. I suffered really bad from it. So the next morning, we we started the swim set, and we were about ten minutes in, and I was like, "Oh God, I can't hold it any longer." But then I felt really obligated to tell the coach what was going on and it was not about the pee that I couldn't hold the pee and then I'm like a grown up <laughs> so that was a massive low and he actually started to laugh once I explained I had like chili con carne he was like all right fair enough then well don't let all it right, happen we don't again. mind we in the pool but we don't want a floater in there so you better go boy <laughs> what's that dog doing um she's hitting uh she's hitting the door because she wants to go out for uh, for a wee or she wants a drink she, or something like that. She had like chili that. con like, carne as well, probably. She had chili con carne last night and now she wants uh, to go. On another massive low, this morning I went out for my uh, first timer. Hold on, on before you go into that, I'm just going to have to let her out because she's going to keep hitting stuff. That was disgusting. She just went for a really runny shit. So she actually had chili con carne as well. She definitely had chili con carne. That was horrible. <laughs> all right well were you glad i saw that dark in the background then yeah could you see what did you see her doing <laughs> i saw her like knocking on the door like uh, really <laughs> yeah That's what hey she coach does. i need to go i need to go yeah, she rules the <laughs> that roof, was mate, literally dog. me at the pool well that's the weekly uh that was uh, uh about the pool but then um this morning i did my first ever ride on the beach and um it was awesome but then I had a nearly death experience twice. The first time being a pack of horses coming at us with like 
400 k's an hour and um they were like running up in front of us and then like uh, closing in on us it was dead scary like i thought i was gonna die and they uh, then uh, ran past us it was uh, super scary and um there were a couple of suicide jack russells everybody knows these little dogs they have their own opinion they don't care if a a an owner tells them off like get here you get here you little little fella um, they just ran up to you. And if you're riding with a tailwind, 50 k's an hour on the beach, and all of a sudden you get like a Jack Russell crossing your bike and want to bite your tire, it is uh, that scary. So that was another low. I had a I had a low of the week, actually. Really? Yeah, I had some guy. He overtook me in the car and uh, he gave me uh, a load of abuse on a country road like because I he kind of like overtook me slowed right down you know the guys they overtake you and straight away they slow right down because they can't fit for a gap when another car's coming so i overtook him because i'm like well i'm not going to wait like i can easily fit through that gap so i fit through it went and then about a minute later he caught me back up he gave me a load of abuse so i flicked the bird in and and then he pulled ahead yeah you know like you you give give it one of them don't you like put you know two (laughs) finger (laughs) fingers up at him then he like got he got him he uh and then he put his brakes on and he got out the car. And I thought, oh, God, like, here we go. It's about to kick off, isn't it, now? And uh, normally when they do it, they're quite small, aren't they? You know, the people, you know, they get out of the car. And this guy got out of the car and he was bloody huge. He was like six foot three and stacked. And I thought, oh, Jesus, like, I've got in there. I've picked on the wrong guy here. Um, nothing really happened of it. But it got me thinking. Um, imagine if they did that to Paul Felder. Do you know him? He's a UFC fighter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like I've seen him around. Um, obviously, they'd be picking on the wrong guy, wouldn't he? Because he would absolutely annihilate them. And then, but would he? Uh, oh, he'd have annihilated this guy. This guy was probably big, but he was probably. I've seen the guys in the gym; and they look big. But when you actually see them do the weights, they're weak as piss. Like some of them look way bigger than what they are. They're they're not actually as strong as what you think. Um, I didn't want to find out though how strong this guy was, but it did get me thinking. Imagine if they did UFC for pro triathletes in the off season, who? would you want to go up against and who do you think would be a beast at it? Oh, I would think that Lionel would be an absolute beast at it because he's like a pit bull. Lionel just wants to hurt people, doesn't he? When he's in (laughs) the race, he would never let go. Um, So basically you're now asking me to call somebody a wimp. Like Lionel would be pleased if triathlon was made a contact sport so he could throw a few punches in the swim, I think. Um, I think... Uh, it would be. Good I would definitely then take on you because I know that would be an easy win in a US. <laughs> <laughs> Lionel against Cam Worth. Cam giving it, giving him a load of stick on in, on like social media, and then Lionel being able to have his own back in uh, in a match. Um, that would be a good one. But I'll tell you who I think would be the fiercest matchup of uh, of them all. All right, Ellie Salthouse, Holly Lawrence, history between the two. I think that really? would be fierce. Oh my god, mate, those two would be at it. Have you seen the uh, bit in the Collins Cup where they're swimming next to each other and they're yeah, hitting, yeah, yeah. hitting each other? Do you know where that all started from? No. So apparently in Nice at the World Championships, um, Holly was going up the hill, and Ellie Salthouse overtook her and then cut in, so it was less than 10, 10 meters um, in front in, in front of Holly. And Holly was like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? And then Ellie, I think, got a, uh, got a drafting penalty. And then, oh, no, had a mechanical. She had a mechanical just after that. And then Holly went past her and said, calm as a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's all, like, stemmed from there. And obviously, they're really close rivals, aren't they, in races? They're pretty, 
when they race each other, they're, they're neck and neck. Mm. But if you haven't seen it, guys, check out the Instagram and uh, we'll post up the video of those two at the Collins Cup. And you can see they're like clattering arms and everything like for the whole time round. We'll be a sport within a sport. A UFC sport fight a sport. in a swim. Exactly. Unfortunately, in that race, though, Holly crashed at a roundabout, uh, which stopped the battle. But it would have been hilarious if uh, Elliot had gone past Holly when she crashed at the roundabout and said, calm mm-hmm. as a bitch. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, she uh, she fell. That was a... But that was them two together would be... Oh, that would be fierce. That would be fierce, those two. <laughs> I um, wonder how I much the, time I would like spend... to see the... I wonder I'd like how much to see time the Dutch you... boys go at it. You and Mikel de Wield. Yeah, yeah. We two might do rivals, it sometimes in the two RC Dutch season. boys. Cool. <laughs> I, I really wonder how much time you've been thinking about this last week. Probably in one of your eyes on the bike when you almost got hit by that big deer. You were thinking after that. I was put, thinking about it. Yeah. What was going on in your head? <laughs> I was thinking, God, could you imagine? Well, like my high of the week. I've got a big high. Is um, that I've banked my biggest swim week ever. It was a twenty k swim week, and I've started this. The build up something like eight weeks ago, starting with six, seven Ks, and uh, I did 20 Ks last week. And I could never imagine that I was going ever to swim 20 Ks in a week in my life. I remember when I was swimming with a friend of mine four years ago, and he said, Pro triathletes are doing between 20 and maybe 35 Ks a week. I said, Oh my God, like that I'm never going to do that. Well. That's scary we, though, isn't it? Because it uh, is scary I'm, because at that, as well. <laughs> at that time, I was so proud banking like a 2K swim set. I would be, wow, 2K, that's massive. Whereas right now, the warm up would be like 1500 and I would do You it. just want to find like, a really good um, pro triathlete that's good at swimming who only yeah. needs to do like maintenance swims to make the front pack. So they say, yeah, I only swim 15K a week just to make you feel a bit better about yourselves. Oh, like you don't want to find someone who's always struggled with swimming. And then you speak the, to them and you're like, Oh, you've become a good swimmer. How much do you do? And them saying, oh, I'd swim 35k a week every week over winter. And you're like, oh, like. I, I was speaking to one of them uh, uh, girls in my uh, lane last week. And I said, how often do you actually swim? Because you've got like two different programs. And she swam more than 10 times a week. And she's, I said, oh, wow, you're really uh, serious at it then. And she said, oh, no, I'm not too serious with swimming. I said, well, if you're swimming 35k's a week, you're pretty serious about the sport, isn't it? I think that's well, I remember speaking to Harry Wiltshire. Um, he's led the swim out in Kona. And I remember speaking to him in 2017. And I was like, oh, Harry, you're a really good swimmer. Like, <laughs> what what do you think I need to do to uh, to improve my swim? And he's like, well, a lot of us in Leeds haven't got a good technique. We're just really fit. He said, oh, to be honest, you don't really need to do much. You just need to swim 30K every week and you'll be all right. And I it's, thought, 30K, I I'm doing 15 at the moment, mate. How am I going to do 30K? <laughs> it's crazy, like, ain't it? But like, to be gosh, honest, if... If you're a great swimmer, you're faster and thus you will cover more kilometers in one hour. Whereas we, if we would need to th- swim 30Ks, we'd be out there for hours and hours. I wouldn't get any time to do any biking and running. I might as well just swim all the time. But then, uh, yeah, them kids swim uh, more often. I, I only jo- I only joined the evening sessions and they also got a morning session. So uh, I could swim if I want to, like 40 to 50 Ks a week, but I'm not going to do that. Another high this week, I've done my first swift race and I did a, a road race and both of them were my first training with like uh, an effort in it outside the swim. Uh, 15K run. I came in fourth and... I honestly didn't know I was in fourth place, fourth place. I was in, I started like the fourth row. I was out with the, uh, a couple of mates from the uh, training squad. And uh, I started on the fourth row 
And basically, I, I overtook a couple of people and then take 10 Ks, Ks in. I was running with three others. And basically, we were number three, four, and five. And I thought we were something like eight, nine, or 10 or whatever. And then one of the guys with four Ks to go, one of them faded. And then with four Ks to go, the other like speeded up a little bit, but not too much, but just like five five seconds a kilometer. And I thought like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really going to go with it. I just want get, to get, get there through this, just right, steady, 15Ks, free 45K pace. I'm already really happy if I've done this. It's a great effort. I came over the finish line and then the guy said, fourth place. I was like, fourth place. If I, if I knew I was going for a podium, I would definitely – uh went deep in it and like try to like drop in so basically your inner chimp let you let it go for you yeah chimp, you weren't you weren't in charge of your chimp were you i was you, uh you mentally didn't you you thought oh man in seventh place it doesn't really well, matter I, I wasn't planning on really racing it racing it like i was just going for like the good good effort solid, and, solid uh, run and i was going hard obviously but still um, if you think you're an eighth, you're not going to like and really you hurt didn't yourself. Chicked as well. So Mark Matthews can't say that about you, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a C race, Joe. You know, this was a C race for me. Yeah. And uh, anyway, going off that, <laughs> no C, onto no our main race, topic yeah. of the week, race ranger. Wait, hold on, Joe. Hold on. Before we get to that, first, we're going to go through the start list of the upcoming races this weekend. And we'll start off with Ironman Cozumel. And it's got a pretty big male field and female field. So uh, let's get the list up. I think this is going to be an exciting race, like really awesome. I'm so curious what Christian Blumenfeld, for example, is going to do. We've got Cam Wirth on the list. We've got Sebi Kenya, but I think he's racing uh, South Africa. We've got Patrick Nielsen, Matt uh, Russell, Peter Hamerick, Adam Fay, uh, Paul. We've got a whole load of dudes. Patrick Brady, well, um, you get it. A little um, birdie told me that they reckon that um, Christian Blumenfeld's going to go for the world record at this race. That's really? what he said. That's apparently what he said. Is Cozumel a course where he could set a world record, meaning is it a really fast course? Well, you can get a fast swim because it can have a downstream swim. So obviously that can help. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the bike course is flat, but obviously it can be hot and humid. But you could do a fast bike. But then again, it depends on the wind because I guess it's an island. So if you get strong winds, it's not going to be very quick. But if you get light winds, I don't know how common that is out there, then that could be well. But then the run is going to be tough on the run because... Um, I've had a little look at his Strava and it tells you what, what the weather is. And at the mm -hmm. heat of the day, it's been about 27 degrees Celsius, but 80% humidity. And it says it feels like 31. So I think that's going to affect the run quite a bit because that's hot and humid conditions. So I don't think it is a world record uh, kind of course, but who knows? One thing I will say is I think that he's going to feel the effects of what he's done in training on race day that might come back to bit bite me thinking that but i looked and uh, saw that he did a 40k run i think yesterday which is sunday so a week out from the race at, in the heat of the day um and i think that 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 kind of session you know two and a bit hours two hours 20 of uh running uh, a week before an ironman is not a good thing to do in the Think heat of the day it. it's like a marathon a week before an ironman mm. Holy yeah, and he did 190 k's the day before on the bike as well. So basically, he did an Ironman over the course of the weekend, the week before, more than an Ironman. Yeah, but who knows? Well, he is a he is a bit of a beast, but like I think the beast might be buckled after that. 
he uh, he uh, he's been out there for uh, quite a while, so he's been uh, adapted to the heat, you'd say. Uh, another note: We've got the uh, the boys from uh, Belgium, for example, Peter Hamerick. He's been training out in really shitty weather, just like us. Um, really curious how's that how that's gonna affect him? Because it's honestly, I mean, for me, I find it really hard when when whenever I went to Kona in the past, um, I've always struggled with the heat, and it is because this time of the year in the Netherlands, in the UK, Belgium, it's just so shit. The difference is huge. Yeah, but it's just such a big difference, isn't it? You know, you're training in 10 degrees here and you're going to try and race 28. It's like 18 degrees warmer. Yeah, so with it doesn't 90%. Have to be mega hot to really notice it. So I don't think Cam Worth's going to race as well. Like, he's in America. Like, I can't see him traveling. Uh, oh, sorry. Yes, Cochmel, isn't it? So it's not far away. Yeah, he probably will race. Um, All right. Well, um, who do you think is going to win? I think probably Christian Blumenfeld because. I, I think the only way they can beat Christian Blumenfeld is if they take the race to him. Looking at that start list, like they need mm-hmm. to push the pace hard on the bike, make him go too hard, make him like not think about taking his food on because bearing in mind it's his first race. If he forgets to take on some food, he's going to feel that later. So you need to, to beat him. I think you need to take the race to him. You need to like up the same as what I said with how you'd beat Gustav in mm-hmm. Florida. You need to push the pace on the bike. If you can drop him, great, because start of the run, I think if you've got a gap, looking at how he races, he's the type of person that might race a bit more emotionally involved where he'll try and close the gap up too soon rather than being a bit more gradual about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if you don't take the race to Christian, he's definitely going to win because he'll use you as his pacemaker. He'll bike with you, save his energy. And then on the run, I could see his game plan being similar to what Gustas was with Lionel. He'll just run on your shoulder not worrying anything about it, wait until he gets to the last 45 minutes of the race. Then if he's feeling good, he'll up it and he'll run away to victory because he's going to use you as the pacemaker because he's not got the experience, but he's going to back himself in the run. And he'll just want to get past basically 15, 16 miles into the run, knowing that the finish is in sight. And then once the finish is in sight, he's going to come to the fore. But the only way to beat him is to take the race to him, make him take his mind off what he wanted to do, get, get him off his game plan, he might miss food. He might not take enough. He might so, go too hard at the start of the run. Probably. Um, I think he's the favourite. Camworth, Patrick Nielsen, uh, Peter Hamrick will come out of the front. They're all strong cyclists. They should like put pressure on him. And They then... need to put pressure on him at the start. You need a windy day and you need then to put pressure on him on the bike, force mm-hmm. him to go too hard than what he wants to, miss his food, and then he's going to lose because he's... And the only thing they, they have to do the is then run a 235 marathon. That's it. Yeah, but they wouldn't even need to... <laughs> they don't even need to run that quick. That's the thing if they do that because he'll run out of carbs and he'll blow up. All right. Well, uh, we'll so see. Anyway, let's go, let's go over to the female pro field. Uh, there's also a pretty big list on the female side. We've got Kerry Lester, Michelle Festerby, Sarah Crowley, Heather Jackson. I'm not sure if Heather Jackson is racing again. Uh, Sarah Svensk, Lindsay Corbin, uh, Angela Neath, and it goes all the way down. Um, so pretty good list. Do you think Heather will race again this weekend? Um, oh, I don't know. I think it's 50-50. But if she does, I would say that she's probably the favorite for the race, looking at how well she ran in um, Florida. Um, I think she might race because obviously she's on a high and she might think it's a good way to finish the season off. I mean, she trains in like Arizona, I think. So... She's not that far away from the race. Um, I'd like to see her do it. It looks like a good one. Other than that, the next favourite, maybe Carrie Lester. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of girls in this race. It looked like they're on a similar level. 
I don't think there's any really girls that you'd look at it and think they're head and shoulders above the rest. So I think that could be a good race because I think it could be pretty close. Um, other than that, I mean, there's a lot of other ones in there, but I'm not sure what kind of form they're in. Tara Grosvenor, I know her. She's been training really hard. She said uh, actually for this race for quite a while. So she's hopefully going to get a top five, I think. But I think it's going to be a close race that I wouldn't really know how the game plan would go. I mean, if um, Heather Jackson's in it, then she's obviously going to try and come through on the run like she did in Florida. You know, she's mm-hmm. probably going to lose a bit of time in the swim, hold them, maybe close a little bit up on the bike. And then she's, if she does a good run like she did in Florida, then uh, she's going to be tough to beat. She's also very good in the heat. But saying that, so is Sarah Crowley because she's been up there in Kona. So mm-hmm. maybe even Sarah Crowley, if she's been training well, she could be a, she could be a big favourite for that race. All right. Well, um, we're going to see how the race unfolds this weekend. Um, another race upcoming weekend is Ironman South Africa with a pretty big pro list on the male side. We've got Kill, uh, Carl Buckingham, Niels Fromholt, Sebastian Keenler, Bradley Wise, Felipe Alfizado, um, your swim mate. I, is it his first Ironman distance? This would be his first Probably, Ironman, yeah. yeah. I think so too. So it's going to be his debut. We've got the ginger beard man. Evert Scheltinga, the, ne- the Dutch guns, uh, together with Michael the Wild, also the guns from the Netherlands. Sam Laidlow, um, uh, he's uh, going to be a, a bit of a threat for that race, I think, as well. Yeah, this is... Um, Masmus A lot of really good, um, good swimmers, so there will probably be a big pack coming out of the front. Um, whereas I, I think this South- has got a stronger field than uh, Cotsmel. Looking at it, Looking you've, at done, this, I think you've done Ironman South Africa. Would you say the bike course is a course that would be able to spice things up if they would get out of the front with a big group? Not really. It's quite an easy course, to be honest. Um, it's pretty fast. The road surfaces aren't great. Like they're, they're not like they're a bit bumpy in places, but there's not much climbing. If there's no wind, it's a really easy one to sit in a group. Like when I did and I did, there was about 15, 20, and you could see them that they were like literally freewheeling along. Mm-hmm. If there's no wind, then that's a very easy course on the bike, and it will come down to people that can swim well. If you're fairly strong on the bike, then you're definitely in with a shot because if some faster ones do come past you, you can sit in. But it's hard. It will take time for people to close the gaps up because the speeds are quite high on that course, unless mm-hmm. it's windy. Because you're riding right along the coast, if it was a big wind coming in from the, from the coast into land, then it would be big crosswinds the whole way along. That would yeah. spice it up a lot and make it a very tough bike. So I think this course is totally dependent on where the weather's coming from. It's when I did fast, it, was in April. So fast different run time course. Of year. Fast run course. Run course is rapid, yeah. yeah. Really weather's fun. probably going to be good. So I don't think there's going to be massive blow-ups on the run on this course. So a lot of it will come down to the bike, and if the where if you get off the bike with a few minute lead, and uh, or you know a few minutes ahead of people, it's going to be tough for them to close the gaps up because there's not any really big hills on it. There's not really any turns where you have to keep accelerating. You can literally just hold your pace, keep it going. So fast bike, fast <clears> run. <throat> I mean, the bike courses, the road surface is a bit crappy, but like it suits mm-hmm. a heavier person. I'd say this course. There's a few climbs oh. where you can drop people if you put out big power. So it suits a big powerful kind of person so i look at that so you Osmond think he's been putting out some big power in races i saw he averaged like 340 watts at austria or something course yeah, yeah. i saw his power file today that i uh, so for some reason that that post came up to me today anyway let's go over to the uh the women's field um we've got anna watkinson laura brandon imogen simmons uh ruth essel is on the list um 
who do you think is gonna do you think uh, by the way imogen simmons is gonna race again after florida i definitely don't yeah. think imogen is gonna race she is uh, going to south africa though but i don't is think she? she yeah i hope for one of her sponsors so oh, well, not... she, maybe she will race then um if she races that'll be a good one maybe uh if she's not feeling too beat up after florida that'll be good see her and go head to head with ruth assel uh ruth's on form at the moment mm-hmm. so looking at the others in that it's gonna lauren be brandon will probably be coming out of the front and swim yeah um... lauren's gonna be out there swim ahead she's gonna probably lose time on the bike there to ruth and then uh I think, to be honest, Ruth and Imogen look like the, the favourites in that race. You know, mm-hmm. Imogen's probably going to learn a lot from the last race. So if she doesn't blow up, it's good, it could be quite an exciting one. Small start list, though. If everyone started on that start list, basically you only need to beat one person to get in the prize money. Literally. So one person potentially could not get anything. But you come second to last, you get $1,000 guaranteed. It's quite handy knowing that you've, um, you know, you, you're not going, even if you turn up, you're not going to get nothing. <laughs> Yeah, let's get going. Um, let's go over to the main subject of the week. This week, we want to talk about drafting, especially because you've seen it many, many times, like because the person in front of you in a race was probably within five I years. saw it in Lake Placid, and I had like a little <laughs> a little front row view of it myself because I went down the fast descent in Lake Placid, and the first, first lap going around the corner, it was a bit wet, and I'd wrecked it the day before, and it was kind of like a sweeping right-hand corner. And in the recce, I was like, you could go around at full pelt. But it was wet on the day of the race. And the first time around the corner, I went around it. And I didn't quite have the bottle to sit on the top tube. Because if you sat on the top tube and leaned it in a bit, you could get around there and you're over like 95 k's now when you came out the corner. So I bottled it a little bit. I just dabbed on the brakes, went around there. Second time, it was completely dry. And I was like, right, I'm just going to sit on the top tube. So I sat on the top tube, went around the corner. I looked at my speed as I come out the corner. It was like 95, 96 k's an hour. I'm absolutely hooning it down there. And then I got this speed wobble and my bike started shaking. I'm like, oh my God, if I had a blowout or something, I didn't know what had happened. I'd never experienced this before. And it literally felt like it was going to throw me off. I slowed it down to about 65, 75 k's an hour, 70 k's an hour. And it gradually went. But when people come past me, I said to them, have I got a puncher? Have I got a puncher to them? They're all ignoring me. Um, And I thought, oh, maybe I have. But then obviously once I got a bit slow and we got in the flat bit, I could kind of tell that I didn't have a punch. And I was like, holy shit, that was really, really scary. I've never had anything like that happen before. I mean, if you fall off at 95 k's now, you're not going to be in a good place, are you? Um, What what does this have to do with uh, with Right, so then on the flat bit, I sat in and I was like, screw it. I ain't going to go on the front now for a bit because these guys are all sat in doing nothing. And I saw this one guy, this French guy, he was drafting the shit out of the guy I'm from. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, and every time the motorbike came up, he would drop back a little bit. It was like he heard the motorbike and he dropped back. And then I saw the motor, and I was like watching it, you know, and I was thinking, oh, this is quite entertaining while the race is going on. You know, I want to see how this plays out. And he did it about twice. He kept dropping back. And the motorbike knew he was doing this, but just wanted to try and catch him. So the motorbike just kept a little bit further back, but it could still see what he was doing. And he thought the motorbike had dropped right far back like it was doing. So then he went back onto the guy's wheel. And we're talking, he was literally sat like five or six meters behind. And then the motorbike came up straight away. Boom, card, drafting. Um, But like this guy was a serial drafter. This app would have screwed him. He's a serial drafter. That's a new term, isn't it? (laughs) Your serial. He got disqualified uh, in the end for not stopping for the penalty. We're, um, we're going to talk this week about this subject because there is a, a new thing uh, that's called Race Ranger. That's basically uh, something that you're going to attach to your bike onto the front and onto the back, and it's going to 
point at the ground, what's approximately like 12 meters. And once you get like within that 12 meters, it's going to give a signal and not just to you, but also to the marshals and probably also to your parents that you're fucking the race. Um, the cool thing, what I saw about it. So in the app, the uh, a marshal will then have an app and they will see exactly when somebody's, for example, in the drafting zone. And it could happen for a couple of seconds, like you're getting into it, out to it, like, or you're getting into it and then you've got five seconds to overtake someone. But it can also see who is in there for a very long time. For example, a, a person, he would open his app and be like, oh my God, this guy, uh, Randolph, he's been in the drafting zone for 15 minutes. So, Mate, Randolph uh, always cheats as well. So Randolph's <laughs> going to get screwed. I think this app should shout at you. Like it should have audio. Like, because if you get close, it just flashes, doesn't it? A certain color. So you exactly. know, oh, I'm getting a bit close. But what it should also do is if you go within, like, say you go a bit close and you're there for 10 seconds, because at the end of the day, if a motorbike's not there, people might push it. It should have audio and it should keep saying, cheating bastard, cheating yeah. bastard. He's a Your cheater. Like <laughs> He's a cheater. Your mom isn't proud. And also that you've got a, <laughs> a, a big screen where all the public is at. So once you start the run course, the whole crowd will shout as well, you're a cheating bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it needs a... to have audio telling you that you're a cheater. And yeah. also, this is great for the uh, keeping the athletes back. But then there's also a big elephant in the room, and that is the media vehicles. So exactly. like a lot of the races now, they're not just it's not just the fact that the group might be close, which obviously that's bad. But at the end of the day, they're still only going to go the speed of the lead guy is going anyway. So it's still possible if there's no media vehicles there that you can catch up and you can still do stuff. But it's bad. But this is good for that. But then the big elephant in the room is when you've got four or five motorbikes or even eight or nine motorbikes in a group, cars there, and they motor pace everyone along. And what we need to do is we need to try and stop that as well. So what 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 can we do for that? You know, are they going to have they maybe they need the devices or something as well? Or yeah, but the thing you know, is, if you've got a motorbike with a uh, race ranger on it, and it, you you were sitting twelve meters behind a motorbike, it's still a massive, massive. Oh, it's huge! Just bigger than a so bigger than a bike. Way bigger. So um, I think that's a, a whole other discussion. And Pete, we um, always like pipe on about the drafting, but the thing is. Drafting's a massive thing, especially now with the PTO bonuses, because people that don't know, the PTO bonuses are all paid out by your best three performances, and the performances are all deemed by how good they are, depending on your time, compared to what they think is a decent time for the course. They think like they give it a ranking of 100 for this ideal time, and if you're quicker than that ideal time, you get over 100 points, and then if you're slower, depending on a certain percentage, you get less points. But like the PTO has massive bonuses, so Gustav Eden, is ranked one in the PTO ranking. So he's going to get $100,000 payout. And it goes down to 100th position. I think you get $2,000 if you're 100 or something like that at the end of the year. But now with drafting, it has massive implications on how much, how where you are ranked in the PTO rankings, how much money you get. And for instance, for Daytona, you could only get in the race if you're ranked top 40. So with other PTO yeah. events in the future, some people might not and, be able to get into an event. Um Another uh, another thing is, for example, let's take Ironman Switzerland as an example. Um, there was a uh, there were ten people in the front, and uh, apart from like drafting or whatever, you had like seven and eight mo uh, seven motorbikes. Um, so basically, we I was riding behind it with this guy Matteo Fontana, and I was sitting in his wheel for like the first lap, and I averaged over three hundred watts for the first lap. Um, then I got dropped, obviously. 
but he stopped after that because he saw that the whole pack was together and he was out of the prize money and he needed to get prize money to pay for his rent. And I think that should be one of the biggest things to keep racing fair because you'll start the run. We started the run with more than like 15 minutes deficit. We lost over 15 minutes on the, on, uh, on the bike ride. And I averaged... 300, uh, 280 watts, 88. And the same, mate. Aero is everything. Yeah, aero is everything. All that kind of bollocks. But uh, I would, like, people like you would definitely, uh, like, be, like, you've shown over every race that you're a strong cyclist. But there's also people that blow up. So if you cook out 10 people and if they need to ride, ride at their own pace, it is statistics that people just fade or drop. And it didn't happen if you like can just sit in. So I yeah, think it's really easy to sit in will, when they're there. Yeah, it will just make racing just really fair. And you wouldn't be mentally worrying about the fact that somebody might be drafting or not, because that's also something that you could be worrying about during the race, not just professionals, age groupers as well. Well, I would say a very fanatic age groupers would, would worry about it. Um, the question is, though, do you also think we should have these devices for for uh, age groupers? Well, I think top age groupers, yes. But would you think if you're doing a 16-hour Ironman, would you be wanted to bother with getting a device and staying in the 12-meter drafting zone? Like, oh, now you can care if you were like an age grouper just going to finish. At the end of the day, it's all about just getting around. And you want to kind of build up that camaraderie. And I've seen some of them riding next to other people anyway, you know, to push themselves, yeah. to get themselves through it. So I don't think it matters. But I think maybe if you're going for Kona, then you obviously have to have one. You know, you'd say to people like you can only go to Kona if you use this on your bike, and I guess you and maybe you pay a tenner for it, and you get the money back if uh, if you hand the chip back and you don't nick it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So uh, you can't wait to get the device installed on your bicycle. I think it's a great idea. Really looking forward to it, and I think it's going to be a game changer for drafting. Hopefully, it will split the races up a bit more. So even if you do get motor vehicles there, they'll be a bit more spread out because the race is obviously going to be spread out instead of having like 10, 12 people together. So I think it's going to make for much fairer racing. I mean, the PTO could really back this and make it big because the PTO could potentially say you only get points at races where they're using this technology because then it guarantees fairer racing. So, yeah, by all means, if Ironman didn't want to take it on at some races the top pros aren't going to go there because they can't earn any PTO points. Mm-hmm. So it makes the pros go to the races where they're going to get PTO points because then it kills two birds with one stone. So they could no. really put pressure on the organizers to sign up for it because that's the thing. Right? And, and honestly, um, I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer. But if you've got But a this is bad for business, for, right, man? Yeah, yeah, it is this really is... bad because everybody's speaking bad about it. It's always like... No, but, no, but this actual device is actually bad for their business. Because if you oh, think if yeah. they've got 3,000 people on a course, you know, say like Barcelona, 3,000 people, if you all keep 12 metres, yeah, that means there's 36 kilometres of road between yeah. every single person. Well, you can't get 36 kilometres of road, really, because of the amount of laps they have to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can, but, like, you can't because if, everyone, if like, say, uh, 1,500 of them get out the water within 10 yeah. minutes. And, and what's going to happen? If that Marshall then has got that iPad and then system well, it's just physically like, impossible. And... <laughs> I just put it in. Fifteen people, fifteen hundred people getting out the water in ten minutes means there's eighteen kilometers between every single person if you're all at the minimum of twelve meters. But to do ten ten minutes of riding at say thirty k's an hour takes twenty minutes. 
So it's physically impossible for organisers in a race like that. The physic, the maths doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. So that means they'll have to lower the capacity of their races, which means they're going to take less money. So the big thing will be, will the races take it on? Because the mathematics means that they're going to have to take less money. You know, you, you can just put you, so. But I think it's a good thing. Hopefully they will do it. Uh, definitely for the pros, it would be great. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, that leads us to what's next, Tom. This is my highlight. This what's, is the bit uh, I love talking about when we do this. Next? And this time, Joe buster. came up with this thing, the bullshit buster. I'm really curious, Joe, what kind of bullshit have you got to bust today? My, my bullshit buster is low carb, high fat. Like, I think it just takes away the will to live. Like, whenever I hear so my, like, the only people that should be doing low carb, high fat, are people that are going on a lad's holiday or, you know, a holiday with the girls and they're going to Marbella or something and they've got the attitude, no carbs before Marbs. You know what these are? No carbs before Marbs. Get lean. No carbs before Marbs. Get lean. You know, I hope you get lean. You don't really care if you're weak as piss. As long as you've got that beach body, that's all you want. You know, you want the beach body. So they're the only people that can get away with with low carb. I've Occasionally, I've had a low carb meal because – my girlfriend's done it a few times to try and like lose some weight and she's had some good results with it. But oh my God, I feel like I've been hit by a bus the next day when I wake I up. Know, I'm like you a just, but of a man. Maybe, maybe then you should get through it. Isn't that it? That you need to get used to it, like get fat adapted. So basically, uh, low carb, high fat, for those who don't know it, is you're trying to restrict or hardly eat any carbs at all and eat more fats, for example, from avocado, olive oil. Uh, eat more chicken and all that, or maybe not in meat, but beans, whatever. Can you imagine um, how miserable your life will be? It would be really miserable. I mean, to be fair, Jan van Burkel is low-carb, high-fat, and he's beaten you in Ironman Switzerland. He did beat me, but do you know what I take <laughs> solace in? I take solace in knowing that when he was celebrating after that, after beating me that night, he couldn't even treat himself to an alcohol-free beer because of the carbs. He couldn't have a normal beer. He couldn't I, treat himself to a burger, a cocktail. All he could treat himself to was an electrolyte tablet. And if he was feeling really naughty, maybe a salted caramel protein shake. And, and, I thought and he could have to celebrate the result. And like, like a party shot, maybe uh, olive oil. And, of course, he could have some sparkling water with vodka. Yeah, exactly. That's the best he could do. But even vodka, maybe that's got too many carbs in. Who knows? But, like, yeah. basically, you can't really celebrate, can you? You know, you can have an electrolyte tablet, and that's about it. I mean, it'd have to take the fillings out of the pasta because it's got too many carbs, you know? Like, it's not really a way to live, the, is it? You know? um, the, the kind of diet I'm in, I'm at um, nine, to, nine out of ten days is What about carb. our boy, Scott Bavell, who we used to see? He used to do uh, like yeah. that. So uh, he was indeed into high-carb, high-fat, uh, low-carb, high-fat. He had eggs for breakfast with butter and, and stuff like that. And a I, shitload of salted Himalayan salt. I just remember seeing him... If you check out, he's got a YouTube so channel. If you see salt. some of the older videos, oh my God, he literally used to put a packet of salt on there. But um, <laughs> it was I, I really like high carb. Eggs and butter before higher, an Iron Man for breakfast. I, I love high carb, higher fat. So I would love a thing like a Donald's, a Burger King, stuff like that, a pizza. If you would take all that away from me, I would be so miserable and grumpy. Mate, I'm high fat when I can add in high carbs as well. Like, that's what I am. You know, give me the cookies. Give me the, give me the sugar i need it i'm a carb monster mate like that's just uh that's what i am even sometimes during a race if i i I could put in 180 grams of carbs and then still feel is this enough or am i bonking but that (laughs) old boy scott who we were mentioning though he ended up getting some great results after switching back into carbs didn't he yeah if you don't like sugar if you don't like carbohydrates low carb high fat might be something for you 
But if you like the goodies, you should wonder and ask yourself, is it really um, is it really worth it? Always eating butter and eggs. I might go two minutes quicker, but I can't even drink an alcohol-free beer because it's low carb. Is that the kind of guy you want to be? Remember, we told you about our friend uh, at the bar. What was his name again? Uh, Colin. No, it wasn't Colin. Colin was the guy with the shag. (laughs) Don't be like our friend. Don't be like the glucose monitor. Don't do it to yourselves, guys. To go five minutes quicker is not worth it. Be like Colin. Be like Colin. Um, Yeah, anyway, I I wouldn't really. uh, No, I don't like it. I like. Come out on the pina coladas after the race. It's much more fun. Let's get over to the next one. And Joe found this one as well. And it's an hilarious post. And I, I'm still not sure whether it's it was bullshit-ish or it was serious. But you I can't found... believe I can't understand that as well with this post. Like, have a look at it, guys, after we've told you and make your own minds up and let us know is this guy shitting us or is this legit? Because we let, don't know. Let's go over to the picture. What are you seeing? What's happening? I mean, there are so many things that are happening, and I want to break down the text below. But first, you can describe the picture. What's happening? So this guy is riding on the time trial bike. He's on his TT bars. He's in the zone. You can see he's killing it, you know, like, I don't know, he's been given a too high FTP by his coach, and he's, like, trying to, you know, or he's lied about his FTP, and he's trying to hang on to it. So he's, like, putting in some serious effort. But... Just putting in the effort riding the FTP isn't good enough for that for our man. He's got 90 pounds, he says, on his back in weight so he can strengthen up his core on the aero position. You know, as if holding the aero position wasn't hard enough, 90 pounds, that's about 40 kilos he's got on his back. You know, imagine like your three-year-old sitting on your back or no, probably a five-year-old kid. Imagine that sitting on your back while you're trying to ride. Is a five-year-old 40 kilos? I Probably think it's even more. I that's like know. six stone. Maybe maybe more than the five year old dead yet. Maybe he's got like an eight year old on his back. Whatever it is, it looks horrific. Um, and this guy right, is doing let's, it. Let's break up. The guy's the pretty stacked as well, so, isn't he? Like yeah, you see yeah, the other yeah. pictures of him, and he's pretty ripped. So he must be he, doing something for him. Yeah, he's starting off with the text. Kanye said his pool was bigger, so I bought a lake. So I thought oh, right, this, <laughs> this must be, <laughs> this must be piss taken. But then he said. First recovery after eight weeks of heavy training and volume. Honestly, an eight-week build. I've never done anything like it in my life. Have you done an eight-week build? Mate, but no, but that's why we don't look like him. He looks stacked. All right. <laughs> that's and then, why we're not. Even though it's recovery, my hours per day are stuck at three. But training goes down to zone one to three instead of four to five max. Can you imagine? It's still three hours a day, meaning he's still doing 20 hours plus with, with weights on his back. And then he said, decided to push myself by going 90, pi- 90 pounds for the stationary bike, followed by a 30-minute strict off arrow into a th- four-mile run. So he's on his easy, easy week doing a three-hour training ride with weights on his back and a run off the bike, like four miles. That's basically like eight kilometers, a bit like six, seven kilometers. I wouldn't really call this a recovery week. But then he says, treat yourself like a professional when it comes to chasing greatness. I guess, Joe, we're not professionals. <laughs> if you want to know all. how to slip a disc in your back, follow this guy. He'll help you. <laughs> you might need to book into the chiropractor after you try this session. <laughs> you have been moaning about, though, uh, sometimes you have lower back problems. Don't you think doing a four-hour ride on a trainer with a lot of weights on your back is going to help you? God, it will either make me or break me. I don't know what. Like, I really don't know. But I, it looks risky, mate. It looks risky. <laughs> 
And now we uh, need to um, share some other Instagram posts of the week, meaning we could fill this subject of the week with our own ones, haven't we? Like we've been the sluts of Instagram last week. Well, what have you done on Instagram last week? What's well, your- what have you what have you done with your I- CBD? I was pissing my pants reading the comments under that post. Uh, that that was the week before, wasn't it? That you can't, yeah, the, you can't bring that out now, mate. That's time's flown on that. That that one is that one is gone. <laughs> Literally, but people. Uh, I honestly, knew when I posted that that you were going to bring that up and try and take the piss out of me for that. I knew you'd see it, that, and it was like a whole lot of people were like bullshit buster. That must be the yeah. bullshit buster. And I, I posted a post up about CBD. And I knew that Tom, people would alert Tom to that or he'd see it and he would be going to give me grief because he really? thinks it looked like an inf- a typical influencer post, Tom's thinking. And he's like thinking, ah, oh, caught him, got him in the act now. And he's going to like, and I can see he's laughing. Yeah. Honestly, on you can't really blame Joe because Christmas is coming. December is always a really expensive month. So <laughs> in order to make a living from uh, triathlon, you need to like get into the Instagram things, uh, as well and uh here and there sometimes you need to share some skin routines and all that kind of stuff yeah gotta keep gotta gotta share your skin routines mate i could get some nice protective moisturizer from you from man cave as well i'll take it into the account thanks for chatting joe and we'll be seeing each other next week cheers see ya thanks for listening bye bye